please hit like, share, and subscribe. Now enjoy the Practical Guitarist Podcast. Good evening, Jim. Good evening, David. I sort of sprung that on you. Well, I'm kind of out of focus. <laughs> That's not my end, you're not. No, nah, I mean, I'm like, I don't know, whatever. Screw it, we're running with it. If you don't like out of focus, put some glasses on or maybe sharpen it. My hair, I don't know. My hair looks gray. It's actually <clears> dark brown. <throat> I got gray in the front. Um, you know, gray in the front, it's gray young in the back. <laughs> Old in the front. I have blonde back. hair. I, I know this is a bad excuse, but I have blonde hair. So it actually is blonde back here. <laughs> and and uh, But right here, that's that's as gray as it looks. Yeah. Believe me. <laughs> this stuff here is blonde. Yeah. It, here you are with a Fender uh, ugly Christmas sweater. And I have Christmas a new ugly Christmas past, sweater. My friend. So <laughs> if you guys are looking for Christmas sweater and you want an ugly Christmas sweater, and you want this year's. Fender, let me stand up. Fender. Uh, ugly Christmas sweater. They're on sale for $30 at Guitar Center. Uh, contact your local Guitar Center. Uh, I think you can only get them in the store. Our store has two. I don't know the sizes, but I do know there's two in Virginia Beach. Yeah. So if you call Virginia Beach, I'm sure that they could hook you up. Um, so. Man, I had a good day today. I got I to gotta be honest yep. with you. I went and I hung, uh, I hung with a buddy. Um, uh-huh. and, uh, we, we were hanging out at the music store up Jeff Biazadecki. He's been on the show before. Um, yeah. and, uh, me and me and, uh, Mike Mara were there all day, uh, all the, uh, day this afternoon. It wasn't under uh, good circumstances. I know it's been made public oh, okay. what's happened, but I don't really want to get into it on the show. I mean, if you want to know about that and follow along on social media, I'm sure somewhere really, you'll see I something really do, that indicates like- what was going on, but. My best wishes do go out to uh, family. Yeah. Uh, to uh, Jeff and all the friends. Yeah, um, we're definitely yourself. Jeff and Pat both uh, from Good Time Music, like positive vibes for you guys. I know it's been a rough time and hope things start to get better. Uh, anyway, yeah. moving on. Um, and now that we've got out of the dour news, the yeah. real news, but just, you know, kind of personal stuff. Um. Jim, you've got a big glaring new item in the background. <laughs> and I think well, it needs can to you see it? Yeah, it needs to be Is it, visible? it needs to be addressed. Uh that cream colored uh thing that we were talking about last episode. You mean this? No, the cream colored one. Uh, this? Know, the strat. I mean the oh. silver sky. <laughs> So, guys, yeah, I got the Silver Sky SE. I've done a, a video. I'll actually be providing um, once I get it. Uh, I got to put it together for um, to send to uh, David. Yeah, I'm going to put the bumpers on and get it uploaded. Down, and put the bumpers on and put it out probably tomorrow. Um, the uh, And um, I'm recording some audio uh, for it uh, musically. The, so the first one is just going to be me talking through some of the things that I thought about it. Uh, I could, I'll give you a quick 
quick overview. Uh, I heard that it was coming out. We talked about this on the last episode, and I kind of hinted around, which is silly because now the last episode is going to come out before this one, which will actually be after the Silver Sky one comes out. But anyway, it doesn't matter. So <clears throat> um, uh, I I knew that once uh, Mayor and Paul Reed Smith announced that set the date for January 11th, I contacted my rep. I asked him, is there a guitar I might be coming out with on January 11th? This is just a hack for those who, who don't know how to do this. So this is more for that than, than me bragging about how I got my Silver Sky, because there's really no bragging about it. Call and ask. Okay, this is, They'll put you on a list. this is what you do. As soon as you know, hey, Joe Bonamassa leaked a picture of something that I think might be an Epiphone, and I want it. Call your rep. Give your credit card information. Here's the dangerous part. They can't tell you how much it costs. Yeah. Yeah. So um, if you've got a good inkling, and we guessed this on the show last time, and it's actually a little lender. So it was $850. Um, yeah, you know, we, so, we figured it was going to be 900 to 1000 I think. Yeah. Well. So I, I honestly can see if, if Paul Reed Smith wanted to up this, they're already selling used on Reverb for $1,300. Uh, it, it's ridiculous. Thirteen. I've they're seen them being listed for thirteen hundred dollars. Yeah, and I some, don't know if they're selling. And a few suckers might be buying them at that price because yeah. these things are going to flood the market. Um, yeah. And then there's they're going to be going for you know ridiculous six hundred fifty dollars. But you could wait till May. But here's the thing: if you do want to be one of those early adopters, which I was, I I contacted my rep. He said, "Well," and he couldn't tell me exact colors either, guys. So don't don't think I had some inside yeah, information. He just he gave goes, like basic color goes, information. Yeah, if he goes, if you had a choice between blue, white, red, or green, what would you want to go <laughs> with? And I said, white. So that's white, everybody. Uh, there's a white Les Paul, and there's a white Silver Sky. So it it, it was close, I guess. Um, anyway, uh, it's called Moon White, as many of you know. Um, and uh, then when the were able to tell me uh, that, yup, it's official. There's the colors. They were able to send me a picture of a guitar, not the guitar, the guitar yet, but a guitar. But, a guitar. but thankfully, they're flat colors. So yep, it's close enough. Flat colors. I think that's the thing a lot of people have said. What are we going to see first? I think the first thing we'll see before we see a maple neck on this thing, or maple fretboard, I should say, yeah, yeah. is we'll see some interesting colors. Um, but the truth of the matter is they can stick with these four colors probably for a year. I don't see it. It's going to be a long time before they have to vary that line. And I would not be surprised if we never see a maple on maple version of this guitar. Yeah, me either. Um, so, uh, my first impressions are, you know, I've, I've got them in the video that's coming up, but I'll TLDR them. Uh, it's got more powerful pickups. The neck profile is easier to play and easier to handle than the um, the USA Silver Sky. I actually like this guitar better than the Silver Sky. That is not to say, and I just want to make sure people understand that, that is not to say I think that this is a better guitar than the Silver Sky. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I like it better but that's like saying that that you know texas roadhouse is better than you know the some sizzler. other steakhouse the sizzler is there, right. you know sizzler. yeah or what is sizzler even I, a thing anymore i don't know i'm just saying that that you know you name your your place or this pizza is better than that pizza or pineapple belongs on pizza it's just this one fit my hand better it fit my playing style better and it feels better that said, I'm going to take the tonight. I am going to open it up 
So after this show gets done and I and we wrap up, I'm going to take this ugly sweater off. I'm going to open. I'm going to put the guitar right here where I'm sitting. I'm going to put the camera over top of it and I'm going to shoot uh, down and I'm going to take the strings and the pickups out. Um, I do already know it is not a swimming pool route, which I was surprised. Is it, I do it, know that. Is it hum, single hum? It is single, single, single. Okay. Yep. And I also know that, which I, which I was surprised. I, I was surprised it's not routed for a humbucker. How did you find that out? We talk, um, Dylan talks tone already opened his. Well, um, man, and, but you got to remember another channel. Got to remember those other channels got pre-release versions of these. These guitars were in their not, hands a while ago. Dylan didn't get a pre-release, but he had a Silver Sky. He opened his Silver Sky up. And then the minute his SE came in, man, he didn't wait five minutes to get that video up. He did it live. I mean, that guy is, he's, he's fast about it. He's so much better than I am about getting videos done. But here's the thing. There was another show. I was, I was surprised. So this other channel said, can you interchange parts? Guess what? Yes, you can. You can take the entire pick guard out of, here's the funny part. You can take the entire pick guard out of the S, the Silver Sky USA core model and put it into the SE and it fits. Now, you cannot put the SE one on the Silver Sky. Why does this matter? I know. Why would anybody do that? I don't know. But I'm just saying they well, did that. No, the reason they literally I'm, took the part and <clears throat> dropped them. The reason why I say that is because. Why does it matter? Like if you're buying the, if you're buying the. SE, I think you sort of understand that you're not getting the same stuff as the USA model and you should be happy with what you bought, but also well, yeah. like it's not like, so I get where parts congruency in a Strat would matter because those are Lego right. building block guitars but this is not a Lego building block guitar. It's like when you buy a nope. GNL I, I, I can't tell you how many people I know have bought GNLs and like, you mean I can't just put a fender neck on it? No it no. has a different neck pocket um, and that was done to actually improve the guitar, not to make it like backwards incompatible or anything like that. And so it's like same thing here where I'm sure people are going to be talking about, well, I'll just swap it with an, with an American silver sky neck. Where are you going to get not a silver sky? Where are you going to get a silver sky neck from? Where, exactly. <laughs> and, and the thing is, and this is the silly thing. And they even said that they said, there's nobody's going to go out and buy a silver sky and throw the electronics in the silver sky SE. That's not happening. Um, the, and they didn't quite, they don't quite, the screws all line up, but because the way the neck pocket is on mm -hmm. the SE, can't put the SE, uh, electronic, you know, and, and pick guard into the silver sky. You'd have to literally take all the electronics out and put the electronics. Well, out. that's why I laugh about it, Cause I'm like, if you're going to be doing anything like that anyway, chances are you're just swapping pickups into the pick guard. Right. And so Dylan talks tone is already talking about the fact that he wants to get new pickups built for for his stuff but he puts pickups in everything that's what well, that's, that's his shtick i mean it's what he does that's so what everybody I does like oh i bought yeah. this brand new guitar with it It sounds fucking fantastic but then i'm going to swap out these pickups but i'm going to take the pickups out yeah. even though i love it okay yeah. you know yeah. it's, it's like and i just roll my eyes like because aftermarket pickups are always even though all right so here's the biggest scam in guitars right aftermarket pickups are always bigger than the pick, pickups better than the pickups you get in the guitar right like that's the first yeah. scam that everybody sells you um you know i hate to break it to you but those aftermarket pickup manufacturers are usually trying to emulate the crap that came in the 1950s and 60s guitars right and then they're so talking by definition, about how 
Yeah. And then they talk about that. Look at me. I've created that. Look, Fender's been doing it for years, right? Fender, every time they come out with a guitar, this sounds more like a 50s or 60s Fender than any other Fender we've ever put out. Except for the 50s and 60s. Except for the 50s and 60s. <laughs> they know exactly how they were built. And they and have the same the equipment that, available to build them and they don't do it. This is what this is what makes me laugh even harder. OK, most of what we're talking about here are a guy like you who does recording. And I'm not I'm, I'm again, putting that thing with you and me because yeah, I'm more yeah, of a live right. guy and you're more of a recording guy. Right. Um, a guy like you, that two percent, that makes a huge difference. It does. It, you know what? It, it does to a point it, because to, that, that's what I was going to say. It does. But to if you're live, point. if you're live. That 2%, unless you're, unless you're Joe Bottomasser or these guys that are playing through six amps at once, they've got them cranked to the, to the max. You're going out um, 200,000 um, watts of power, 20, actually close to that, out, out to uh, the, the PA. It's got you know, all this stuff. That 2%, dude, that's not there. And it, and, it, and it gets rid of, even in that case, it's gone before it reaches the audience. I'm not. It's gonna, gone before it gets to the first row. I'm not trying to poke holes in your boat, but I but I actually think um, people stress about that last half a percent increase that they get from like I've got these more period correct versions of the same pickups that are already in my guitar, and yep. like I I honestly all right. So it, you're right. I I do worry about this stuff because I stress because I'm you know I do record more, but. As I've gotten older and I've gotten a little bit more wise and my technique has gotten better, I don't stress about the gear like that anymore. Now it's more of a hobby thing for me. Like it's more about trying to think about the right way to phrase this. It's more about um, making sure I can nail the part correctly and less about what the equipment is. And and there's a, a core component of that. So when I write songs, I write songs that they work live. And if they work live and I got the sounds correct live, then I can just go into I can go into my little home studio and do that exact thing. It's I, I, honestly, it's a much, much better way of working. But again, it gets into that whole conundrum of should we be that exacting with our sound, like with our you know tonal palette where, you know, I'm going to use real tweed twins as opposed to the Joe Bonamassa signature tweed twins. Or I'm going to, you know, it, it, there's a philosophical thing there. And I think for some people, they really, really zone in on the fact that they're using the correct stuff and they get better results from it. But if you're a good player, it doesn't really matter all that much. Like it, Tim Pierce, he's a classic example. He's a mishmash of vintage stuff and new stuff. And yep. when he is using vintage stuff, the funny part is people think like, oh, that 65 Deluxe reissue sounds just like the 65 deluxe, like the original, and they are night and day different. Um, and those are the areas where people actually do care about vintage. And you'll find that a lot of times that's where the price tag increases. Okay. Cause the, cause that's the right. pros are willing to put the money out for it. And so that drives the price up. Whereas in the other cases, like we stress about like pickups, like, Oh, I need these 57 reissue pickups from Lawler. Right. Right. Um, right. And I know that's not like a real pickup that Lawler puts out, but I'm going to pick on them because they're, they're a popular name. But I, I want pickups from Lawler because they're the best approximation of that vintage sound. Whereas it's like, I mean, there's a plethora 
of great vintage style 50s strat pickups you can get from anybody so yep. it's like nobody does the best one they're all just different flavors of the same thing that's you know and that's a great point um what's funny to me is how not not necessarily how much the market stresses but how much these people who build pickup stress about how my pickups are so much different from xyz pickups well everybody's got a different recipe too and working with nick i can tell you that they are different like that's not but that that's not my point and then they turn around and say and mine are so much closer to z pickups than anybody else's are. And that's what I'm saying. If if I was to, I'm willing to bet that if I was to pick out five sets of pickups, I, I'll, I'll give you a prime example. So I was watching Phil McKnight this week. Yeah, it's the marketing and, and branding about, machine though. I mean, that's. Yeah, he was talking about P90s. And he said, you know why I don't do P90s? Because I've, and this is a guy that's, put, that's changed a lot of pickups. He's like, I've tried a lot of pick 90s and the difference in P90s is so minuscule. <laughs> why would I put out another set of P90s that sound exactly the same as everybody else's P90s? <laughs> this just goes to show you what kind of ears he actually has. Because yeah. I have had my hand. That was the one pickup I would use as an example in the opposite direction where it would actually matter. Because having played, um, so I played two vintage sets of, of um, dog ear P90s gibson from melody makers and stuff like that right like yep. early early 50s era to early 60s era p90s from them and then i've played a plethora of new p90s and they are nothing nothing alike. They're night and day they're completely nothing. different animals in fact i ripped the p90s that were in my godan lgp90 out and i replaced them with a set that we had cooked up at gear fest, which I'm going to be giving away on this show. And actually I I'm getting more comfortable with soldering and stuff and I'm going to swap them out and I'm going to give the, uh, I'm going to give that set away to listeners. Cause I've got a set that I bought, um, which are more like, well, they're both, they were both really a lot like those vintage P nineties, but like to say that P nineties are very much alike is that's just very disingenuous. I I've actually found that, Single coils are more you know, like strat style single coils. I mean, if you buy a 50 set from anybody, they're going to be very, they're going to be very similar. You buy a 60 set from anybody, they're going to be pretty similar. Um, yep. You know, that's just kind of the way that that beast rolls. And of course, like that's not to say like if you buy a, bought a 57 bridge hot, you know, from like Seymour Duncan, that that's not going to be a hotter pickup. Obviously it will be, but I'm just saying like, oh, generally they're going to have a similar tonal contour. Because that's that's sort of what the archetypical thought of what a '50s strat pickup sounds like. But um, in terms of P90s, they're all going for that Gibson thing, but they are all vastly different. And quite frankly, if oh, you yeah. if you look at the tones that Phil McKnight is after, um, based on the gear choices he makes, the dude's a humbucker guy, like through and through. It's very obvious. So it's like okay, then you wouldn't want P90s because they make noise. Like that, I get it. And that's fine. Just say what you, you know, say what you believe. Don't, don't spread misinformation on the internet and say that all oh, P90s sound alike. Cause that's just, that's, it's like I said, it's garbage. Now yeah. that's, well, here's why this would matter in the studio though. What from, from P90 to P90, because the bass response is very different. And so P90s, 
they have like a lot of um, contour, I would say around 400 hertz ish, right? That changes depending on what pickup you're playing. And that's where it gets. And if you know anything about guitar, your fundamentals, a lot of your a lot of your guitar fundamental notes are around 400 hertz, which is why those pickups really, you know, have a, a strong fundamental. And if you want that, then you want that. And if you don't want that, then you might be looking for a set that doesn't have that. And so it's like, OK, right. they, they do matter. <laughs> any any pickup yeah. that's centered around 400 K is going to earn that 4K, but 400 uh, hertz is going to be. <laughs> that's going to be that's going to be vital. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, again, that really goes to and, and it's and it speaks highly to how different people um, it's feel just, yeah. and hear the, the various guitar sounds. And, you know, um, uh, those of you looking at the wall wondering why there's no, well, other than my white one, there's no less Paul's hanging. It's, it's, it's maintenance week. So everything's taken yeah. down to, to do maintenance on them. Uh, so that's going on. Uh, but anyway, I, I, you know, how do I say this? For me, you know, you know, I'm not. Uh, I used to play strats all the time, right? And so when I went to Les Pauls again after decades, literally decades, not decade, decades, um, I found myself because I tried to go a couple of times and I kept pulling back the strat, kept going back the strat, um, and so I've always been P90 curious. You know what I mean? Yeah. Always been P90 curious. And I'm still thinking about putting P90s in my goal top. Yeah. Because, I mean, I could take the electronics out that's in there now, the push-pull and everything else, pull that right out, put in a set of uh, P90s and some 50 wiring and go from there. You know what I mean? Yeah, but if you do so, that, you're going to have to uh, you're gonna have to put like a mounting kit or something in there because they're not exactly Yeah, the I'll have to size. put a mounting kit in there. Because it, it, it's got that, uh, that darn Gibson uh, I'm not, circuit board. That's not what I'm talking about. You, they won't fit. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that too. Yeah. There, th yeah, I'll have to get P90s and a mounting kit for that part. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were talking about the damn uh, electronics. No, no, yeah. that's another. That's a whole other. <laughs> that's another beast. Yeah. Uh, but but um, anyway, so um, or I might get a gold top P90. Who knows? Who knows? Um, but the but the uh, the the point I'm trying to make is everybody's looking for something different, right? When I plug this in, and that's the that's the thing. I've seen so many people like comparing these. To like strats. And I'm like, I don't got it. Nobody told you that this was a strat. Why are you comparing this to a strat? Number one. I mean, I know why people are doing it, but I still don't get it. And then the other side of it is um, uh, that the, there's this there's this giant push for some reason to um, to say it's not its own. It's just its own animal. It's just its own thing. Strats its own thing. Three, three, five, it's its own thing. I don't, you know, I don't understand why there, why that is. It, it, but uh, you know, nobody takes home a or uh, a uh, Ibanez and says, "I'm going to compare this to my Strat." I mean, you know? they uh, do, but but I think we all it. sort of intuitively understand that even though the Nick Johnston model is the shape of a Strat with the same pickups in it, it's not going to be the archetypical Strat. Okay, right. Um, now, that being said, I, I would say, yeah, the Silver Sky is definitely something you can compare to a Strat. It's, you know, it's got six strings and 
three ups and three it, pick has ups? A, it has a pick guard <laughs> that's eerily reminiscent of a strat pick guard and uh it has the <laughs> that's why i hung them together <laughs> strat input jack even though it's slightly different i i think it's it is very strat like um i think that it doesn't have enough differences for it to be something considered on its own but i also think that it's you could step back and you could say it's a prs version of a strat okay and that's okay like so i got an i got in this raging pissing match in a in a facebook group and i won't say what group it was um but i got in a, i i just saw this that somebody posted a um it was a meme and it said y'all want to get mad because the silver sky is a copy of a strat but then y'all want to play these and it was a picture of like 18 different various copies of stratocasters right. that are popular and and it was so That's funny true. because i, I looked understand. at the i looked at the doc or i looked at the pictures and i go there's two GNLs here. There's yep. uh, a music band. And I'm like, how are those copies of a Strat? Because they were done by the guy that basically was responsible for the original. You know, George and Leo. Okay. In both cases. Well, I think George Fullerton wasn't involved in um, in Music Man, but he might have been. Um, I think I think GNL happened because they ran into each other at NAM, which this is the episode called The NAM That Wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just really interesting that people like lump those in with copies. And then it made me wonder. And it was like, those are copies. Those are the superior version because almost everything on that list. I would, I would desire over a standard strat or whatever they're calling a standard strat these days. Um, and it's just because like they have better accoutrements. Like, unfortunately, yeah, Fender got it mostly right. But there are little things about the Fender design that modern players don't jive well with. And like, for example, the if we stuck with the seven and a half inch or seven, is it seven and a half or seven and a quarter? I think it's seven and a half. Oh, cool. um, the original seven and a quarter inch radius. Like, holy crap. What are you playing? A cone? You know, um, that kind of stuff was like. And even he was reinventing the wheel. And that's why I said, even GNL like has advancements over what Fender was doing, that the vibrato is way better on GNLs. In fact, it's probably the best vibrato I've ever played. And I have a PRS sitting next to me and I can tell you, Paul, you've missed the mark. You want that vibrato. You don't want this because this thing doesn't have any travel to it whatsoever. And it's very, very stiff um, to the point where I'm just going to block mine. There's no point for me to even have one. Um, And like, that's where where I laugh at this like comparison idea, because I'm like, yeah, comparison into the point that like you're OK with playing a guitar that was basically designed in the 50s as the good Lord intended it, quote unquote, as I wink at the uh, camera, because I'm like. At the end of the day, like, do we all really want we want guitar design to stay exactly the way it was in 19 what was it 1954 where the Strat came out um, or in the case yeah. of the Les Paul, like 1951. Like, do we want it to stay the same? Do we still want to be playing P90 equipped guitars with trapeze bridge tailpieces? I don't think so. So just shut up. Buy the one you want and don't worry about it. Don't criticize other people for their decisions. I don't care. Even even Gibson is smart enough to know that those maestro vibrolas suck. Um, I mean, be that as it may. Well, I think that's. But but so that's part of this process, right, is admitting that you did things wrong in the process. Like even Gibson now makes those easier to defeat. I don't know if you've heard about that, but apparently like the parts are easier to defeat on the ones that they issue them on now because they realize nobody's going to use the damn thing anyway. It's just there for looks. Yeah. Um, And that's that's the same way with like 
Fender has done that on certain stuff too over the years. Uh, look at the Ultra. Well, every- they did away with the heel. <clears throat> and that's like sacrilege. They, do, know, they didn't do away with it, but they, you know, they shaped around it. And that's like, that's yeah. like sacrilege. Well, you know, here's, here's the thing that, that, that it comes down to at the end of the day. Ibanez is a younger company. Okay. And it's just like a younger person. Okay. People will respect Ibanez to do things new because the expectation is Ibanez will do new things. Unfortunately for Fender. PRS is a new company too, man. PRS is newer than Ibanez, in fact. I'm getting there. Yeah, a lot newer. Um, matter of fact, Ibanez actually started back in the, the 1960s. What, 60s or yeah. Yeah, 50s, 60s. Gaki, so, I think it was, the, the original factory. Yeah. yeah. So if you go back to, um, to what I was saying, is that nobody wants Fender to improve. That's that's really what it comes to. Not nobody. I shouldn't say nobody. I think a the, lot more people do than people realize. But the people that are buying Fender don't care whether they've improved or not. They're buying the name. That's right. They're buying the that's name. Right. Yep. Yep. They are. Which is the and, same thing I've said about Gibson, too. Like, I, I don't want everybody to think that, that, like, I'm picking on Fender or Gibson at this point. Like, that's what you buy when you buy from one of the two big brands. You buy the name. Yep. But I don't really I don't know if PRS has really found its way. I think so. I think PRS has, so they have some, like, here's, here's recently, a, they don't have enough nostalgia behind the brand yet. Okay. No. And, and it, I'm afraid PRS is going to go down the same path that the other companies already have, which is to like, sort of stop innovating and start reissuing its past because they have guitars like the EG and stuff yeah. that were out there that like, didn't get a huge following, but maybe a couple people in the professional world were using them. And and mm-hmm. there's been some sort of like resurgence in, you know, this really looks like the SEEG model in the in the Silver Sky SE. And it's like, yeah, it does, doesn't it? Wink, wink. And they brought it wink, back wink, by, get, much, by much. getting it by getting an indoor C. And right, John so I, I, I'm not going to I'm not going to like dump on all this stuff. I'm just kind of like. I think there's a lot of shenanigans in some of these arguments, and I think a lot of people just missed out on a specific part of history that maybe I, predates I them in guitar. I think if anything, some of the companies, and I, and I'm not going to say these are big innovations. Don't don't overblow what I'm trying to say here. But some of the companies have done some of the best things relatively recently in in Fender, Gibson, uh, uh, Music Man, Ibanez, uh, G and L. Uh, PRS, and this is what I think they're doing right. So you've got you've got some of the coolest stuff coming out that finally are reaching players. The the SE Silver Sky is one of them. I I hope to see a Fiore. I hope to see the the um what's that other one that just came out? Um, I don't was, know, but I'm thinking about the I or I'm actually thinking about some of the other brands and some of the things they've done, like yeah, uh, Schechter doing the the uh, um. Thank you. That, what's his What's his name? Um, it, Nick Johnston models, and right. have, and then making the inexpensive Nick Johnston models, and then the other uh, the other thought is the AZs from Ibanez. Yep. Like same yep. kind of concept. And look at the look at the uh, indoor C's they've got over there. They don't have John Mayer, but they have everybody else who's relevant. That's um, right. Uh, look at look at uh, Fender and what they've done with the Chrissy Hind, with the. Um, uh, Mark, 
I uh, can't remember his last name now, but uh, there was there was the two Telecasters that they did recently with those. We should do something more interesting with the Strat. Stop doing more Claptons. Stop doing more SRVs. Stop doing more Hendrixes. Start doing and more we of the people we that won't, are They won't now. stop doing that until the older generation, and I say, I'm say i not saying this because I want them to die off or anything, but until the older generation dies, because that's who's buying that well, stuff. Right. I mean, keep doing them, but stop making them your new model. Yeah. Those are your old models. Um. Uh, you know, as much as I, we all, we both dump on, I, look, I'm a Gibson guy, but I, <laughs> I know. Look, but Gibson, um, to its credit, um, you've got some Epiphones that are killer that, that they put out that have, have names on them. The, uh, the, um, what's that guy's name? Uh, uh, J- James, 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 Nichols? Jared Nichols. Jeez. That guitar is incredible. Um, the, the access, um, Alex Lifeson, um, I mean, the, yeah, I, the swing and a miss was the slashes. Those Epiphones are horrible compared to all the other stuff that they've done for Bonamassa, even the 59, um, Les Paul and the new 61, uh, Epiphone reissue. But we're going to talk about, things, we're going to talk about Gibson later in the episode. So, yeah. but why don't okay. we, why don't we talk about, why don't we talk about our, uh, listener topic? Because we've yes. been we've been on the uh, what's new for a while. Um, I'm not trying to interrupt or anything, or you know, cut off your flow. Hold on, I, hold on, I, hold on. I got to introduce it. You ready? I'm going to introduce it. What do you? We're talking I'm, about the. I'm going to introduce it. I, can you hear it? I, yeah, no, that's not how that works, Jim. <laughs> that's the worst. That's, that's the that's worst. Like, you sound like an MXR Univibe. Okay, let's <laughs> let's just let's just go right. Let's just go right for it right now. Um, so, oh. so show listener John Bot reached out to me and he said, I want to hear more about your Univibe journey. Um, yeah. And it has been a journey, my friend. Uh, let me, pull, think let me actually pull up to, my notes because uh, there's a lot of stuff here. It's first to, um, uh, important to express to people a Univibe is not a tremolo, tremolo, tremolo. It's not a harmonic that. tremolo. A, I know harmonic tremolo okay. is like the pedal du jour right now or the effect du jour. Right. Um, it's not modulation of a tone control, which is essentially what. Right. Um, what, what, uh, how my tremolo? So, um, now you can get really cool sounds from that. I mean, look at that, look at that Greg cock amp, the, the, the Greg with the built in harmonic tremolo, man, what an amazing piece of machinery that is. Uh, I saw him live and I didn't know I was looking for a Univibe on the floor. Um, but anyway, so, um, if you, let's, let's talk about like what the Univibe is and what makes it special. And I think, um, I think people tend to lump it in with phase, right? And it's and yep. it it is technically a phaser, but it's like a really primitive phaser. It's a, like a one stage phase, and I think even the I think the phase ninety is like a two stage uh, or a four stage, and it's like it's like a whole thing unto itself. Basically, um, what it is, it's it was an effect designed by Shinny, right? Which is a Japanese company, I believe. Um, who created this box to em- emulate the sound of a Hammond or a Leslie rotating speaker cabinet? Okay, for for, for Hammond organs, for sort of a du jour sound at the time, people like were converting uh, Leslie cabinets so they could put a guitar into it. Because if you don't know, they don't actually have a quarter inch input, or if they do, it's line level or something. And people were actually having them modified um, back in the sort of been like. 1967 68 69 era where all this stuff is going on and um i think the first univibe came out like 1970 it was 
you know, 69 to 70. But anyway, um, what they did was they came up with a circuit basically that uses um, a light bulb and a, fo- and a photoresistor to measure the amount of light coming out of the light bulb. And then they would vary the power of the light bulb on and off. So go, and they would use that to modulate the signal. Okay. Um, if you've ever heard a Univibe on a track, which I guarantee you have, there are a million different variations of this pedal. They are all different. Um, and I, I, I have some theories on some things that I will share, but I want to make very clear I'm not an expert in original Univibes. I think a lot of those early Univibe sounds are modified. Um, and I think people tend to think that those are what they actually sounded like. But I have a feeling what they actually sounded like might be closer to production units that you play from various companies who are building based on the schematic. Um, so there is a company now that's re- reproducing Shinny Univibes, and they're apparently very good, but they're also very expensive. Uh, it's something that I'm kind of like on the fence, like, do I buy one of these? I've had enough Univibe pedals at this point that it's like, I would probably get something out of having the real the real deal, like as close as I can get to it. And I actually know of another company who uh, does, amp- or does amp repairs and actually does Univibe, vintage Univibe repairs, who builds Univibes. Okay. And they claim that their Univibe is the closest. Now, again, the same thing as a pedal argument from earlier, that their Univibe is the closest that you can possibly get to the original circuit to the point where it, it isn't even true bypass. Okay. Because the original actually did have quite a bit of tone suck. And a lot of the people that are after that sound actually want that thing without true bypass. Um, so you would put it in a true bypass loop if you want to use it that way. Otherwise, you use it to load your signal, load your pickups. Um, so let's let's talk about famous users because this is part of the reason why I'm into them. Um, Jimi Hendrix obviously is like the you know the Univibe du jour guy. I think like eight out of ten tracks have a Univibe on it somewhere. I mean, honestly, like I was listening to um, all along the Watchtower, and there's Univibe in that, and it's like some I was talking to. He's like, no, it's just tape echo. No, there's Univibe in that too. If you listen closely, you can hear that there are overdubs and stuff on that song that have a Univibe. And I think it's just, it was like, he, he had always had four pedals on the floor and it was like, you know, always a Univibe and a fuzz and I forget what the other two always are. Wah. And then there's always, I mean, when he finally got one, cause in the beginning he didn't have one. Um, and there was another pedal. Uh, maybe I'm thinking of the Echoplex cause it wasn't a pedal, but it was like a foot switch. Um, I mean, there were very few pedals in, in Hendrix's time. So it was like, these are cool. They all do something very, very unique and interesting and dynamic. And that ends up becoming the sound of Jimi Hendrix in a lot of ways is Univibe, Fuzz, and Wah. Um, which, if you notice, that's all on All Along the Watchtower, but it's on a lot of the, a lot of the other tunes too. Um, and you can go listen to that catalog. Uh, Electric Ladyland, the opening track on there. Have you ever been to Electric Ladyland? That that track in particular is just smothered in Univibe. Um, and uh, so that that was kind of what got me thinking, because like at some point in guitar, I was starting to play a lot more Hendrix stuff. And I was like, you know what? Hendrix sort of just like had it right. Look at what is at his feet. And like today we're using all this other stuff, too. But really, like if Hendrix had a had a, an overdrive pedal, he probably would have added that in addition to everything else he had. And that would have been it. Um, and 
it just like looking at that and thinking about it. And it, I, I started buying pedals around that, that archetype. Oh, the Octavia was the other one I was thinking of. Um, so that's why I started gravitating towards it. Cause it's like, Oh, well he's doing it. Then I found Philip Sacy, right? And Philip Sacy was also building rigs in very similar ideas, except that he also had a claw and a tube screamer. Okay. And sometimes a, a, a other effect here or there. And I was very interested in that. Um, I actually bought one of the fuzzes that Stacy uses. Stacy, Stacy uses a fuzz face. You can see where I made the conundrum there. Um, and he, the one that he uses uh, was using at the time a lot was the ox fuzz. So I bought one. Um, all right, so that's how I learned to play fuzz. By the way, I, I bought fuzzes that like you really have to like lean into and learn how to use. Um, so that was one pedal, right? And then the, uh, he was using Univibes as well. And he was buying vintage ones and talking about the fact that the vintage ones have a certain mojo to them. So now I start learning like, okay, so buying a new production Univibe might be a problem because it's not going to be the same as an original. So I start, yep. so I start reading about originals and they have things like an AC power plug with a transformer inside, which to my knowledge, I have not found a new production um, version that has an AC wall plug inside the unit with the transformer housed inside the unit, which I think might actually have an effect on the sound of it. Uh, transformers are known to cause noise and do things to signal path. So that's a whole other thing. You, you start adding EMI into it and everything becomes even more interesting. Um, so there's that right now. Fast forward. I get my first Univibe which actually I just went all out and I bought a Deja Vibe, the MDV-2, which was the, um, it was the big treadle guy, right? And uh, at this point, I was listening to so much Robin Trower, that's what drove this purchasing decision. It wasn't the fact that they, there was a staple of the Hendrix rig, right? It was the Robin Trower, Bridge of Size record, Vibe is on every single track of that record in some capacity. Um, and it is... That is Robin Trower. Okay, you can take away the amps, you can take away the guitar, you can take away the overdrive, but if you put a Univibe on it and you get him playing, that's Robin Trower in a nutshell, right? Like you're gonna know. Um, and so I bought the MDV2 because I knew that's what he was using. He was using an MDV1, which is the big, big treadle guy. Like I couldn't fit it on a pedal board. So there was no way I was going by that. So when the little one came out, I was like, all right, this, this is more my style. Now they're up to the MDV3, I think which is a blue and or, or maybe the four. Cause I think they did a blue one. And now they do a, They do a blue one with a foot switch, which is different because originally they were trying to approximate the idea of having a treadle on and off it, which the MDV two right. is really cool because there was no on and off switch. You would, you would move the treadle and it would turn on and it would stay on where you left it. So. Oh, it, that's cool. Yeah. It eliminated the problem of needing a foot switch. Um, which is really, it, it was a really cool, uh, pedal, but I ran into a problem with it as good as it sounded. Cause it's actually a really great sounding box. It was noisy. I could pick up CB oh. radio from truckers driving by the house. Oh it? yeah. Like yeah. it was bad. That reminds me of my first, my first guitar. It was silver tones. Yeah. Oh. It was just really bad. So, uh, trucker. I tried, trucker, trucker, this is. <laughs> I tried a bunch of stuff to get it to work. And over the years, I finally said, you know what? I said for board's sake, I want to keep this guy because it sounds so good. 
But I said, I'm going to buy a digital one just so I can put it on the board. It'll take a smaller footprint. It'll give me some of the same stuff. So I bought the Viscous Vibe from uh, TC Electronic. And let me tell you, people were saying the Viscous Vibe is this great thing. The Viscous Vibe is a piece of garbage. <clears throat> oh, geez. Um, it, it does not sound good. I, I don't care what anybody tells you. It does not sound good. I have yet to find a, vin- or a vintage sounding digital Univibe that sounds good. And I know you've got the MXR one. And that pales com- comparison to anything I'm playing through right now. I can tell you that right now, without even, yeah, yeah. Just, I know, but I but know. so I mean, like not trying to rag, have a rag basic, on it. If you like it, you like basic, it. But yeah, look, I got the basic Univibe. I know, I know. <laughs> if you like it, fine. But I'm just telling you, like there are much better boxes out there for you. So in my travels, I've tried a couple of the other digital ones. That the MXR one was one I actually have tried recently, uh, probably in the last two years. Because when I know when that came out on the show, I said, nah, I'm not even interested. But I was like, eh, what the hell? People are buying them. So um, anyway, there's that. Okay. So then I, I, um, what did I, oh, I had, so I had modelers and I tried to approximate vibe in modelers. Um, the one in the Helix is not terrible. It, it's a passive, passable digital one. If you know what a real one sounds like because you can dial it in same thing with the Kemper the Kemper was passable the nice thing about the Kemper was stereo so if you had headphones on it would swirl around you and stuff which is cool but ultimately you're not running the amp stereo unless you bought a stereo Kemper or you had yours modded to be stereo which is a thing you can do um and then but you need two cabs right um so that was that okay um Around the time I sold my Kemper, I realized I needed another Univibe. So I went on the hunt and I became aware of all these other companies that are making Univibes now. Back in the day, it was just, it was basically just um, Full Tone and um, Voodoo Lab who had the good ones. And I got the Voodoo Lab later. So we'll we'll get to that because we're going to talk about that one too. Um, I bought one six months or a year ago. Um, And that's actually a Mike Maris possession now. I gave it to him for Christmas. Um, and so, all right, so let's, let's, let's back up, let's back up a bit. Um, so I've got, you know, I'm, I'm getting out of modeling land and I'm like, I need to get another Univibe cause I'm going to have this actual board. Um, and I had seen the unicorn. I call, I called my Sweetwater rep and I asked him, I said, dude, I said, you know how like picky I am about this. I'm like, how is the how's the unicorn? He said the unicorn sounds really good. He's like, there's the, we have the unicorn, and then he had like two other pedals he'd recommend. Oh, um, one of them was the depth, which I still haven't tried, but I've been told by people not to try the depth that it's not a great pedal. Um, right. and, and I can honestly tell you that EQD for the most part, almost every pedal I've tried from them, just not have been a huge fan of. Although I did like the Fuzzmaster General, I owned one for quite a while. Um. The rest of their pedals that I've tried, I was not super excited about. Um, so I just, I stayed away from that. I bought the Unicorn. I got the Unicorn in. And I had some different ideas about how much I was going to like it. And uh, my cat is like sleeping on the back of my chair. So I know, he's so funny. He's she, so cute. <laughs> well, she she is, but she's, she, yeah. yeah, she's wearing a cone because she likes to groom herself too much during the winter. So, yep. Anyway, um, so I have to use a um, I have to use this conditioner on Drogon. 
Because he'll sit there and lick his fur, too. Yeah. So. We're, well, we're trying to figure out exactly what to do at this point. But, yeah, yeah cone, cone works for now. Anyway, yeah. um, so... Hey, if you've got it. Yeah, I... Right. cheap, as we both know. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I get the unicorn, and uh, it integrates pretty well with my pedal board I have at the time. But I'm like, man... This is a pretty dry sounding univibe. In other words, it doesn't have like a lot of wet signal um, on the, the, when you, cause it has a dry wet switch. And on the wet side is basically like vibrato. Cause if you didn't know, the univibe has two functions. It could be a chorus or a vibrato. And for the most part, people use it in chorus mode, but the vibrato mode gets used once in a while too. Um, so anyway, I'm, I, I, I realize that this one doesn't have, so when you have the wet mode in, or the it's I guess this is the um the dry mode engaged which has you know the core it's the chorus mode uh that it sounds like that the original guitar is getting way more pushed and that the modulation is somehow in the background um more on that in a minute though I think it's just the frequency contour of the pedal that makes it seem that way uh so I had that one for a while and like I was like all right yeah this is a cool univibe it's it was tap tempo which is cool um. And it had some extra features that were kind of nice. You know, you could subdivide and all that. Um, so I had that. And I was like, you know, we started building this board this summer. And I was like, I really want to see if I can get a better Univibe than that. So I bought the Drybell. Um, I don't know what the hell it's called. I didn't buy it first. I bought the Microvibe first. I bought the Voodoo Lab Microvibe. I, it was used. I got it from a Sam Ash. I got a great deal on it. Um, and... You know, that pedal sounded really good, but there's volume drop. So like a, a decibel and a half volume drop. And I'm like, I can't do this because the way I use it, I turned on for leads and stuff. So it's not really going to fit in that capacity. So I like the pedal a lot. I looked into modding it. I talked to some people who would mod it for me. And I basically just said, you know what? I'm just going to get the dry bell. I found out about the dry bell a while back. Dry bell retro vibe. Um, I got the V2. Uh, I, I found out a while back about that pedal and people were saying, yeah, this is the one you want. This is the one you want to get. So I got the Drybell Retro Vibe and it does nail the sound of the micro vibe. Like it'll do that thing and it's got plenty of volume. It actually has adjustable volume. Um, it has adjustable parameters for pretty much everything on earth, uh, including input impedance and all kinds of other crap. Um, via They're like trim pots on the side of the pedal. They're, they're accessible from outside the pedal. Cool box. Um, last open jam I was at, I had the un the unicorn on a different board. Some guy turned it on while I was in the audience, and I go, "Holy shit!" I'm like, "That really is." I mean, it's it, well, as much as I was like, "Oh, it's a dry vibe" or whatever. It sounded so good from the audience, and it cut in the mix, and it was just perfect. And I'm like, "I think I wasted money on the dry bell," because even though I think it's a good pedal. I think the I think the unicorn might actually be better. Um, a couple of problems I've had with the unicorn though is like if it doesn't power up just right, um, which I've had this happen twice in the three years or two years that I've owned it, uh, the tap tempo kind of freezes and the whole unit just doesn't work right. So you have yeah. to reboot it. Is that is um, excuse me for asking me that. Is this the so is the unicorn made by JHS? Yeah, JHS unicorn. Okay. So I thought, okay. Um, so that brings you me, said that, right? that brings me to the Ferrari vibes because there's a lot of different other pedals that I don't own 
that I've heard are better than what I have. Um, there's the classic sound vibe, I think is the name of it. That's the one that the guy will build you, um, who, do, who does all the repair work for people's vintage Univibes. And then there's, um, there's another, there's another couple of companies like that, right? Where you can kind of dig around. If you go on the gear page and you look around, you'll probably find my thread because, because I asked a lot of questions, um, before I bought my retro vibe. And a lot of people were steering me. Not the the jam pedals retro vibe is the is the other pedal. I don't have a jam pedals retro vibe. I have the dry bell. What the hell is the name of it? It's the dry bell. Hang on. Vibe machine. I was looking at the jam pedals retro vibe. I have heard that that's the pedal to get from a lot of people too. Um, I think that's more or less a clone of a micro vibe. Uh, maybe louder. Okay. Um, because it sound is when I hear clips of it, I'm like, oh, it's a retro vibe. But it, I don't think it is. I think it's or I think it's uh, the 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 uh, Buddha Lab micro vibe. Um, I think they're very similar pedals. In fact, they come in similar enclosure sizes and everything. Um, now, I didn't take mine apart to see how the array for the light bulb worked in mine. Like the arrays are always different. Some of them are um, like circular. Right where the the photo cells are on the outside, and light bulbs in the middle. Some of them have photo cells pointed to the light bulb. Some of them are inside. It. Oh my, yeah, my cat's trying to get down. I'm trying to punish. I'm trying to punish them from jumping up here. Um, That's all right. It's just hilarious. Her her tail keeps going towards you. Oh yeah, f fine, whatever. Um, it's cat. I'm used to them. I live with them. Yeah. That <laughs> hey, they're pets. We love them. We love them. That's why. That's why we have them. Some of the Univibes actually have a little housing that goes over the um light bulb and, right. and some of them are even vacuum sealed okay that's, yeah, that's how crazy right anal retentive people get with these things because they're like how hard to vacuum is matters to your tone like that kind of nonsense it, you know about i i didn't say nonsense but i mean like we're talking about that last half a percent right um so what you know what's funny uh, no, finish your thing, because I want to say something about this pedal, these pedals in general, pedals in general. Go ahead. Go so ahead. I, I think I'm at this point in my journey where I would say if, if a casual listener wants to buy the best Univibe, they can get their hands on by Unicorn um, yep. or you can buy a Unicorn, a Jam Pedals Retro Vibe or the Dry Bell um, Vibe Machine, and you'll probably be happy with any of those three. Um. If you are vibe curious, maybe look for an old Deja vibe because yep. those can be had for like next to nothing because of the scandals that have gone on with, with Mike Fuller um, or or consider one of the digital vibe products. And if you are <laughs> like me and you've had them all at this point or like have had your hands on them all and tried them all, um, it might be time to have somebody build you one. Um, or to consider getting the new Shinny release, re-release vibes, which are very expensive, but they're still cheaper than buying the real thing, like the originals. It's like if you buy an original Univibe, they're like two grand. Okay, they're on Obtanium. I have actually never been in the room with one. So that's saying something because I've seen a lot of crazy vintage, like weird gear like that. But that's not one I've uh, had my hands on. So anyway, Jim, take it away. I'm speaking to kind of what you were talking. We were talking about earlier with guitars, guitar manufacturers, and then pedals and pedal manufacturers. 
with the exception, very small exceptions, um, like the uh, clones of clans. And even in that, that's a 30-year-old 30, 30 or so. <laughs> um, I, it's funny because once, once the clan became the clan, right, that became the yardstick, right? And then everybody, for 30 years, people have been trying to build clans. And believe it or not, folks, most of them are successful. As a matter of fact, I may have a, a line on one right now. I'm going to say anything. Because a buddy of mine just got one. He owned an original clan. Um, I used to play with him in a band. Um, he just recently sold his clan for thousands, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and so he's going to spend $320 on a clan clone that he said, Jim, if this is good, I'm going to recommend you. Because you kind of got to, it's kind of like Rolls Royce. You got to get recommended to get one because you got to get in line to get one. Um, or just so, get a KTR. Uh, get a cat. Um, so, well, yeah, um, so, it, well, I want to get a KTR, you know, I do. It's right in that ballpark. Problem is, I hope that cat uh, scratches the crap out of her. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, the, the, um, uh, the KTRs are, are kind of becoming as unobtainium as their big brother. So, um, so, uh, all right. So I'm going to tell you this now. Because uh, yep. I don't know if you know yeah, about seven hundred fifty dollars. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Stop. Stop looking at KTRs and reverb because you're going to be able to get them new. He found a new Chinese manufacturer to build the damn things. They're just not available yet. They will be. They're just not yep. available yet, and they're going to pump them out right. in mass, and they're going to be back down to two hundred fifty bucks. Yep. Um. And quite frankly, a, if yeah, go ahead. if That's word good. gets out of what's true, which is that the clone is basically the same damn thing as the KTR, which he was demonstrating in YouTube videos. Like the guy who yeah. makes them is saying, guys, stop it. Um, you know, you, this is getting ludicrous. Uh, then I have a feeling some of the, I don't think the price, the price magic is going to go completely down the tubes on those, but I do think we'll see clones back at a thousand bucks. Yeah. Yeah. But again, like I said, that's not the point. The point is, that there's still yardsticks. Your yardstick for a Univibe is based in the 60s. It's based right. on the sounds on records that are likely right. not even stock Univibes. That's correct. Well, they might be stock. They might be stock Univibes, but Could they be. were Univibes. Yeah, but they were Univibes. Remember that back then, this is the. But they're the, Univibes yeah, recorded on tape with fancy equipment to get it done. Um, they. Well, there's there's that's exactly I was going to get to that <laughs> a lot of what we and we as a, as a whole of of guitar and music world fall in love with was such inexact technology. It's not funny. Tape heads were notorious for not running at exact speeds. That's why when you went into a studio, the, the tape machine might be. They had you know, a literally an engineer that was dedicated to doing nothing but making sure the tape machines were running correctly. We're running that right, that those tape heads were spinning correctly. And remember, a lot of the early flanges. Um, and right. I know that's not people sticking a broom broomstick in a tape, tape machine and stretching the tape. Ridiculously, <laughs> right. Re ridiculously just pulling the tape so that they could get it to want uh, yeah. to do that thing. Um or slowing down the uh, the reel, mm -hmm. um, so because <clears throat> uh, I know I did it myself. I put 
my hand on a re- don't I, I don't recommend that you do this at home. Um, <laughs> I put my hand on the reel to to slow it down a little and, spin, and let it go, and it does make a weird sound, but it's not something you could duplicate. No, it's not. And and if you think about the technology, that light bulb, you're talking about a light bulb. Yeah, yeah. An incandescent bulb. <laughs> right. Anybody who knows incandescent bulbs, guess what's not very. Uh, uh, They're all different. Exact. They're all they're, different. The, the light waves the bulbs put out are so they're so out there. A, a bright light by GE or whatever. You know, do you think that they, they sit there I, and they go, OK, we're measuring these wavelengths. Get the right thing. But that's what they're using. Honestly, I to think create. I think the coolest thing would be if somebody could figure out a univibe circuit that uses LED. Because LEDs last a hell of a longer than an incandescent bulb. Um, I actually am a stickler about making sure my pedal board is turned off when I'm done because the that that circuit is still going and I know the light bulb inside is still going on and off. Um, was it the uh, Echoplex? What was the one that you were looking at a long time ago? Echoplex required a, a tape. Yeah, was that's it? Echoplex. That, that's the Echoplex. Or Roland yeah. Space Echo or any of the other tape echoes. The Roland's, but, yeah, the one that, that actually has a... Mine would be that I would be looking at, if I was looking, it's the EP1, which is the tape echo. Yeah, right, the EP1 or the... That has, um, uh, it's a tube tape echo. Okay. The EP2, yeah, those are all echoes that the EP3, actually The EP3 tube. is the one that everybody uses because it's solid state, but I right. want I want the tubes. I want that thing to be just like ridiculously fat sounding, so I'm after the tubes. Right, and you're, and we're talking about a thousand dollar device. Oh, here, thousand! Keep going. <laughs> I mean, if you have to yeah. find one that's in working condition, yeah, yeah exactly. you're you're paying. Yeah, you're in the twenty five hundred bucks. I would buy. I would buy bucks. a used Echoplex and and probably spend something like eight hundred dollars getting it repaired, uh, and yep. getting tape for it. You know, to use it at the house because that's really the only place you're going to use that thing. Right, you're not going to take it on the road. Um, well, I mean, I would if I was like in that kind of band. But the reality right. is, like, I don't have a roadie to maintain my Echoplex, so. And those tapes aren't cheap anymore. No, nah, so, but you can make them out of eight tracks. Yeah, you can. Yeah, That's you what can everybody does. They pull eight tracks apart from Goodwills. <laughs> so, my point that I'm making is, just like the guitars. And we've said this before. You take a 50s Gibson, a 60s Fender, a 50s Fender, uh, uh, you know, a 40s Fender for the love of God. Um, and you try to replicate that now. They do so much work to replicate them, right? They work so hard to do it. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Right? First of all. Because you don't have the same signal our, chain. With and the none of them was there to hear it originally to begin with. Right. And and again, you get to where, uh, like I was talking about, and we've talked about this in the past, those recordings were so, look at what Jimmy Page did to get some of those great, I was watching a thing again on, on Jimmy Page and his recordings for Led Zeppelin. Don't get me started engine. on him. I've been looking at new amps and I'm looking at the Black Magic and I'm like, I could have a Black Magic reverb and I could probably get one used and really enjoy yeah. it for and the not guy, a ton of money. And the guy... It would 
take an amp and he would throw it down the end of a hallway because they they were renting a mansion. None of us yeah. can rent a mansion. They'd be doing you all know? kinds of echo tricks and putting things and microphones behind and flipping the phase. Putting and, things in stairwells and, yeah. and, you know, dropping microphones down from the top of a stairwell that was, you know, like 80, 90 feet in the air. Not doing that. That's what like, when, that's a, how they did when the levee breaks. They were in the yeah. they were in the great hall, and they put <laughs> they put my, two microphones from the ceiling, and that's the levee levee breaks drum sound. Yeah, I mean, think about that for just a minute, folks. All these engineers they're up there, they're putting this close mic thing, and I don't. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Don't don't anybody take me as as saying that there's anything wrong with it. I'm just saying. All this work that, that that people do to close mic everything and get it, and and you had listen, Louis Louis, one of the biggest records in the world, was was recorded with one microphone in the middle of a room. Right. You have to remember that that it's the set of ears that microphone, those microphones, they were our ears mm-hmm. or the the past and the future. And then we buy a record, and here's the other side of it. So most of us bought albums, right? I don't know yeah. if you're old have actually owned and i'm and no offense if you didn't but um if you were old enough that you owned a record player like you had a record player we we, i grew up my parents had a record player i played records on their record player and let me tell you something about record players folks there's a reason that record players some of them were a hundred bucks and some of them were a thousand dollars back then because some of them had better motors and those things better motors they didn't they didn't have a turntable that went like this like this yeah uh, or a, 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 I remember my my because uh, I had aunts and uncles and everything. They were such audiophiles, and it's like <clears throat> had to have diamond needles and everything. And a diamond needles wears a record out really fast, especially when they're not. You know, the they were the shitty vinyl that you got down at the local drugstore. Yeah, you know, for for eight dollars or whatever. And you bring it home and you throw it on and you listen to it. and It sounded really good like four times. Yeah, and then it started, started, yeah. <laughs> You know, like every time you every time you take the record off, you have to scrape the vinyl off the needle. Yeah. <laughs> and then our speakers. And lastly, and that was our thing. And we've talked about this with guitar amps. Our speakers were most of the time. Yeah. Come on. Either, either we were like sitting, you know, cross-legged with somebody um, smoking a hookah pipe in the middle of the room, listening to the thing, or just enjoying it for what it was, or sitting with our headphones on. That was our, that was their voice yeah. to us. And and unless you were an audiophile with back then, Blaupunk, I don't even know if that's still a thing. Blaupunk and Apple before they were yeah, before all those... Apple Records. I mean Apple, whatever. There was an Apple company that built. Yeah, you know, no, they're stuff. still around Nak- too. They yep, Mac- Nakamichi, Ma- Macintosh, yeah. Macintosh. That's what I was thinking. Of. Yeah, Macintosh. not Apple, Macintosh. Um, yeah, they're yeah, still Macintosh, around. They are Nakamichi. still around, actually. Yeah, and uh, who's the other big one? Car, Car- not Carvin, Car- um, Carmen, Carmen. Yeah, Harmon Carmen or whatever. Yeah. Harmon Carmen Polk. Mm-hmm. Um, Polk is still around. Um, <clears throat> there was another one started with an A uh, that was huge. But anyway, my point is it wasn't Apple. That's what got me going to Apple. It was Macintosh. The, my point is that it, depending on what you were hearing it with, and we're hearing it also with memory, and memory changes things. <clears throat> so as you hear the thing you're hearing now, we start going, yeah, that sound, that kind of does sound like that, but it doesn't. 
You know, it's just like taking those crackers in between the the sips of wine when you're doing a wine tasting. It's because you've got to cleanse your palate to get it back to go to, you know, ground zero. And you're only only so many crackers are going to work before you're drunk enough that you don't give a shit what the damn thing tastes like. Yeah, just give me the bottle. (laughs) Yeah. And and that gets back to this where um, we're most of us, most of us didn't have an opportunity to sit in a recording studio and actually get to hear that stuff as it was being recorded. And most of us did not have the opportunity to really hear those old amplifiers, those old guitars, those old effects pedals. Because we're yeah, going to get to that clips and things. A couple of times I've gotten to do it, I've even wondered, was this what this sounded like new? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's always that lingering doubt. That, you know, I, when it was new, it sounded different than this even. So, well, I'm that guy that always listened to every part. <clears throat> and it's funny because I was listening to some of my old Beatles records. And I think we've said this before, but and I'm like, wow, the tone of that guitar sucks. That's horrible. I, and it's the clean guitars they had back then. And I was like, wow, that that is awful. I would not want that guy. I, and people are like, oh, I got to have that guitar. It sounds just I like need an George Epiphone Harrison. Casino right now. No, 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 I don't, you don't. I don't no, want you want. It sounded like shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You, you go get your Vox AC30 in your Epiphone Casino and uh, yeah, you yeah. can play some chords way high up on the neck, you know. Yep. Yep. With some high I'm, action because they were playing with pretty high action, a lot of that stuff. Yeah. A you, lot of those there's guys. No, there's no fret like. Um, Brett rattle on a lot of those recordings. Um, nope. So no, nope. that that's the thing. So we got to talk about Gibson. Uh, well, we got one, no, we're going to do fender models first. Fender models. All right. So. Hey, we got new fender models, new fender models this year. I don't know anything about these. So I'm going to pull these up. Um, I'm assuming I'll find them on their website. That's a pretty large assumption, right? Unfortunately. Hey, I wonder since they own PreSonus now whether my uh, my they'll give me an update for my interface that will make it not suck. Because I spent two days dick, dicking around with my uh, interface over the last you know two days or whatever, uh, nope. and it was not functioning correctly. So we we don't really have a whole lot of new ones. We got twenty twenty one new releases. New, yeah. So we we not we have the new. Um, uh, there are more coming, by the way, folks. So. Stay tuned. There's obviously the Acoustasonic, uh, which we haven't talked about because we, we kind of took a few weeks off there. The new Acoustasonics that, that have come out with the Mexican made. New Player, pl- new player Plus that. Telecasters. The new Player Plus Telecasters, because God knows you got to have yet another Player Plus Telecaster. Kurt Cobain's Jagstain. Yeah, a lot um, of these, I think a lot of these were announced prior to this, though, because like the Tone Master Super Reverb is still listed as a new item. These were These were all launched. We covered this on the show. All of these. Yeah. All of these. There's new. Yeah. So there's new ones coming shortly. And other than this new. And I saw one today. And it is the ugliest thing in person. Is the Screamadelic 30th anniversary Stratocaster. Yeah. The Screamadelica. We talked about this on the show. That's uh, Primal Scream's 1991 breakthrough album. Uh, guitar. Which. Is that what that is? Yeah. Nine and a half inch radius. Palfaro fingerboard. Medium jumbo frets, horrible, 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 ugly, ugly art job on this. 
It looks um, like somebody took a Tide pod and threw it at a guitar. I just thought they I mean, shit on it, but <laughs> maybe somebody ate a Tide pod and shit on the guitar. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if this is your jam, this is your jam, but it's not not my jam for sure. It actually was a nice guitar. I played one today. Oh, uh, I just don't. It's ugly looking. Yeah, it's fugly, and I wouldn't buy it. Are they, so are, yeah, okay. Yeah, so Fender's getting ready to announce some new ones. And there's and there's a reason, but we're gonna we're gonna talk about Gibson before we get to the reason. Yeah, Defender has to make that announcement yet, but they are coming. The announcement is coming. Did they add so, anything new to the mod shop? Because I thought they were saying that they were gonna. Yeah, so they yes. did. So they did. That's probably what we should cover. Um, yes, because they added the Acoustasonic Stratocaster to the to the mod to shop. the mod shop. That's correct. Which is kind of hilarious to me. <laughs> yep. What it? What are you? What am I going to be modifying on an Acoustasonic? Are they? Um, they are boltons. I, 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 I am, They are boltons. So is that? That's the Mexican version. Is a bolton, right? I don't. The, the no. The USA is a bolton too. Yep. Yeah. They got a lot yep. of interesting finishes. Better than the actual finishes they produce. I'm looking yeah, at the, the Acoustasonic strap. Been boltons. Even the high end. $3,299. Yeah, screw that. They, basically, they start at $2,100. Yeah, and it's a bolt-on. They've been bolt-ons. For well, they've, they've been bolt-ons. That's not an issue for me, but it's just $2,100 to, $2, to pick my paint. Yeah. Come on, guys. I, yeah. I just... I, I don't know. Uh, look, the mod shop is cool. It's It's... It's there. They're, they're competing with their dealers, and so they can't offer it at reasonable prices. I mean, it's not a shock. And if you can't find, it's so like if you're going to the mod shop, chances are you're looking for a special color or something. Just go to warm off, save yourself some money. Um, you're gonna get better parts anyway. To be honest with you, like I've played several warm off guitars, parts casters that basically you have to get into the three thousand dollar range for a Stratocaster or a Telecaster to get something similar. Here's my problem with the mod shop, and it's and it's not a problem with the mod shop. It's my problem with the mod shop. I want a thin line, and there's no thin lines in the mod shop. So I don't even want anything from the mod shop. That's true. I mean, just my thing, you know. So an Acoustasonic Tele is not a thin line? Sorry, no. I, couldn't, I couldn't help myself, Jim. I know. Yeah, that that was a good one. <clears throat> Michael just got a uh, Eric Johnson uh, Stratocaster. I said, "Is it one of the thin lines?" And he goes, "Nope." Did he get it? For, did he get it, Virginia? No, he got it in uh, New York. No, no, the Virginia model. Yes, he got okay. the Virginia. Oh, okay. Somebody's buying guitars that I actually wouldn't mind having, um, yeah. but I wouldn't. I'm not going to buy the Virginia. It's overpriced. Um, yeah. It's a Strat made out of. Um, what wood was it? It's a weird wood. I forget the name of it, but it's a strap made out of a weird wood with uh, a Demarzio pickup in it. I think it may all be all three Demarzios for like three grand or something. It's like two thousand something dollars. Um, with little minor tweaks here and there, like two different sat two different saddles that are kind of weird and like. I'm sorry, guys. I'm not no. Not for two grand. I mean, that's not really no. Anyway, 
I looked at it. Uh, here's the here's the, the the big deal breaker for me on that guitar, Jim. The uh, <laughs> the neck, the the truss rod adjustment in the heel, in the heel. What a waste of time! Why don't you do that? I don't want it. That's one of those things where it's like, okay, even Leo Fender figured out <laughs> went to GNL and Music Man and the late Fender stuff that he had participated in designing. Where did they put the truss rod cover or the truss rod bolt? At the neck end, at the yeah. headstock end, because they realize nobody wants to take the neck off to adjust the action. That's the most ass backwards way of doing anything. Yep. Um. So anyway, yeah, that's my gripe against Fender. Can we well, let's talk about Gibson? You ready to just skip to Gibson? Yep. Let's it, jump to Gibson and then talk about the uh, the thing that never was. Okay. It will not be. <laughs> We're talking about Gibson. Gibson. What are, what are we talking about? Gibson. <clears throat> what they do this time? What has Gibson done? What has Gibson not done? What has Gibson done this time? That's right. What has Gibson done this time? Look on their website. They've got this wonderful picture of guitars stacked in front of Mesa Boogie amps that you can't purchase at anywhere other than Guitar Center right now. I know. It's funny, right? Can I I talk about... So we're talking about Gibson for a second. Can I talk about that for a second? Where is the Gibson amp? I know. Like, where the hell is the Gibson amp? All right. So, and then there's another, another portion of this. Um... So if you didn't know, and I know people are going to say, well, you know, you're kind of picking on him or whatever. Gibson bought, bought Mesa uh, as a whole thing. And then like people were getting upset about it. And I wasn't one that was getting upset about it. But now I sort of am because of what happened. Here's what happened. Just in case you need a, a refresher. Uh, Mesa dealers have been without product for almost a year. And then all of a sudden they announced that Gibson is coming in to Guitar Center. And instead of shipping the new product that w- they've been waiting for almost a year for to dealers, they ship it to Guitar Center instead. Um, yeah, that's the kind of shit that you can't have a small mom and pop do, a small company do. But now that they're owned by Gibson, Gibson says, nope, we're going to pay the big guys because the big guys are more interested and we want to make more money off of them. So that's the ridiculousness of the situation. And you can take that however you want it. But I think that was a big, uh, big middle finger to their dealers. And that kind of sucks. Yep. Anyway, go on. Gibson. Gibson has announced. I'm flavoring my conversation for this segment. Sorry. That's all right. Gibson has announced that we're going to have, uh, they teased, let's say that, they've teased that we're going to have a um, maestro pedal. Oh, yeah. No, they basically straight up announced it. Yeah. So we don't know anything beyond the fact that there's the word maestro on it, but we could probably assume it's a maestro fuzz box. No, they announced it. I saw pictures of it somewhere. Really? Yeah. All right. So let me last see if I can I find check. them. Yeah, I'm looking to see if I can find pictures because I saw. Yeah. So it's FZ1A. And here's one. Um, condition like new 95 bucks I'm looking to see uh, it doesn't really say I'm assuming this is it it looks just like the original um, gear God, I gotta be honest gear God's what I see got a page on it I think, I think people are going to be let down um, you know I think they're going to announce what? the phase shift um 
hang on, I'm reading. Sorry, I don't, I don't want to read on the show, but I'm going to do this anyway. Um, uh, I. No, all they showed. No, I the, think the, I think something more more crazy is about to happen. Go ahead, though. Okay, the reason I think it is, if you look at the Gibson um, uh, press release, that that well, I shouldn't say press the YouTube thing, which was like twenty seconds of you know coming. You see three lines. That's exactly what's on the Maestro PS1A phase shifter from 1976. Okay. So here's what I think they're doing. Sure. I, th- I think they're doing a whole line. That is a possibility. I think that's and way that- more likely because they have to compete with Fender. Fender has a whole line of pedals. So they got to get, they got to get in line with that. I think they went to somebody boutique and I think they had them design the pedals for them. Uh, I think a lot of money passed between one company to another to get that done and to get that done quickly. I don't know who's handling production. I suspect these will be farmed out into from China. Um, and these will be very inexpensive pedals. They will be around boss price and they will be, they will be reissues of classic stuff that Gibson's done as well as new things that Gibson has not done before. I would expect a delay, a reverb, a fuzz, an overdrive, a phaser, um, I don't know if they'll do much more than that. Uh, they might do a flanger. I think a flanger is sort of a fringe effect. They might do a chorus, but it's going to be the basics, the bare essentials, um, to get their pedal line started. That's what I think is going to happen. Cause I saw the ad and, uh, I was like, they're surely reissuing the fuzz tone. Well, so when I said that they were reissuing it, it turns out that was one that they did in the nineties. Um, that looked identical to the original. I think they opted for that logo because the logo looks really cool compared to the Maestro logo that's already on their products. Um, yep. So I suspect we're getting an entire pedal line. I think the three colors maybe represents the three families of effect types like dirt and modulation and delay or modulation and reverb delay. Um, so I think we're getting the whole family of products, to be honest with you. Well, this says, so in the ad, it says in 1962, <laughs> the shape of sound changed forever. That was the year of the fuzz. That's why everybody's guessing the thing, but it says, and this is the thing we're going to have to wait till Tuesday. Um, and we're recording this Sunday, the 16th Tuesday, the legend returns January 18, 2022. Well, you know, they do have a company that builds pedals already. And I'm sure they do. Yeah. Mesa. Yeah. And it would make sense. Well, I would think they would have designed them. I doubt, sincerely doubt, because Mesa's had so much manufacturing trouble in the last year. I mean, I sincerely doubt that Mesa will actually be building these pedals. Right. But I, my, my informed guess on this being informed by, just thinking about this from comparison to other companies that are launching pedal lines, they're not going to do one pedal. It's no. going to be a line and it's going to be, it's going to be a limited line. It'll be something to compete with like the three series from JHS kind of line, but it's going to be, be cool. Well, I mean, it, that's what boss has, right? Like that's the standard, bo- not talking about Waza, but like the standard boss line is like baseline pedals. Right. And I think that's what you're going to see f- at first from Gibson. I think they will launch with crazier, more interesting designs later. Um, but I think they need to establish that they can actually build pedals first. 
Because that was, remember, that was Fender's hurdle, too. I don't know if you remember, Fender launched pedals twice, which people yeah. don't seem to realize that. They came out with a line yep. of pedals that sucked, quietly yep. swept them under the rug, and then came out with another line that was real good. Yep. <laughs> so, um, yeah. you know, that's the what's going to go on here, too. Decent. Yeah, that's what's going to go on here. And, that, and by the way, I'm not talking about like they did a line of pedals in the 90s and they sucked and they swept them. No, they did a line of We're pedals talking. in like 2000. 2015 and they sucked yeah. and then in like 2016 they had brand a whole new line of pedals that came out with that were really really good yeah so i have yeah. a feeling this will it be the same kind of affair that, yeah. yeah it was i think it was later than that actually but i'm just saying like the next year at nam they showed up and there was all these new pedals um this is the nam that wasn't by the way so speaking of that the nam that wasn't yeah let's uh oh, let me flip to the title card here that. uh hang on the Nam that wasn't. Let's talk about. Exactly right. The Nam that wasn't. Let's talk a little bit about the Nam that wasn't. So, so COVID. Go ahead. <laughs> COVID happened. They canceled Nam. Uh, oh no, they rescheduled. Yeah. They rescheduled it. They're going to have a combined Nam in the summer, which no one's going to attend yeah. because it's still going to be the same situation. And quite frankly, um, it, summer Nam attendance has always sucked anyway. So that's like a whole thing. But um, well, the thing is, they're supposed to do it in Anaheim. And here's the thing. They're you doing know, Summer Nam in Anaheim this year? Yeah. that I'm going to say two things about Summer Nam in Anaheim. Number one, it's too effing hot. And number two, and more importantly, it's California. Do you really think they're going to lift these restrictions to allow for a big number of people to get together in Anaheim in the summer? That's no, what I understand. No, I don't think. Well, so I don't think there's going to be a NAM in the summer either. And I think they sort of know that, too. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why they pushed it to there. Uh, yeah. So, so here's what here's my honest assessment. Um, NAM is dead. Long live NAM. Um, if you guys yep. have it. So NAM is not for us anyway. We've, we've said this on the show dozens of times. I don't want to rehash that topic. You want to listen to that. Go listen to any of our other NAM coverage. But it's the National Association of Music Merchants. This is for dealers, right. and it's going to be go go back to being a dealer trade show is what it's going to be, um, which this is what it should be. It has become this like celebrity spotting event lately. Um, in the last, at least as long as I've been playing guitar, um, and I think that COVID nineteen is going to kill it, and I think you might actually see a more consumer focused music event take over. Um, yeah, more like a CE. Yeah, where anybody can go and it will be. See, I don't know how you can do that because like CES, when they have CES and it's pretty open, um, they rent a giant convention center in, in Las Vegas. Yep. And they have. I mean, those companies have actual capital behind them, uh, it, it, despite what you may think musical instrument companies don't really have that much money. Okay. No Fender and Gibson do, but that's because they have parent <laughs> companies and that's because they have VCs and other relationships and that kind of thing. Um, plus they also own a ton of subsidiaries, but Wampler, Keeley, JHS, um, uh, sure. Ibanez, any of those companies, Ibanez, yeah, company. they're, they're pretty, yeah, ha- they're pretty hand to mouth as far as that's concerned. And so the marketing budget isn't there to support a trade show where you have 50,000 people on the floor. 
I mean, that's yep. what CES is. 50,000 to 100,000 people on a day right. walking around, talking to, uh, you know, people that are putting out new technology products. Samsung, Vizio, Nintendo. Right. I just don't uh, see that happening for, for the musical instrument industry. We don't have enough capital behind it to support that. Um, so that being said, I think MAM is dead. I think you're still going to see product launches running into December. I don't think you're going to see as many January launch announcements. I think they're all going to start revising their cycles this year because that's what's really yeah. driving. It's like we're talking about Fender and we went through the coverage. I was like, well, there really is actually anything being announced right now is because we were just sort of working through the idea that because of the release schedules that always worked on a January, uh, January, July cycle that we would see yeah. announcements this week. And we're not well, they, seeing a ton, but we are seeing some. So some some yeah. companies are still embracing that schedule. But Well, um, yeah, Fender said they're going to do some announcements here shortly. Um, uh, and obviously Gibson's going to, going to do the maestro thing. And, and you know, and, and I kind of like what Gibson is doing. I, I, think Gibson's so about to, I think Gibson's about to launch an amp too, um, which is why yeah. I've been joking about it. I, I don't know, have any source on that, but... I think because Mesa Boogie has been very quiet and working yep. on their backlog and I know they were hiring. I think the, the Mesa Boogie amp line for Gibson is going to start debuting, but I think it's yep. going to be one amp and I think it's going to be, I think it'll it's going to be, be kind of surprising what it's going to be for people. Cause I don't think it's going to be, it'll be more Cali Tweed like if anything, like a very simple amp, for you know the guy that wants to sit in his living room and play because that's their target audience right now that um, is their target audience their target audience right is now the doctor right now where, as joking as we do that with prs the lawyer guitar the the you know the doctor lawyer guitar gibson is the doctor lawyer guitar too I mean, right, right now right now it is specifically because of the pandemic they're, they're catering mm -hmm. to the fact that they have this influx of capital from people who are sitting yeah. at home with too much money because they're not paying gas right it is what it is. It's I mean, I, I just call it like I, I just, see them. I just got done doing my bills. I'm like, I actually have that much money left over. No way. Um, so <laughs> I have more than 20 bucks. Um, I, yeah. Uh, for my paycheck. You've got to be kidding me. No, but seriously. Um, I, I don't usually have a third to more of my paycheck after taxes left over. Really? Yeah. 30 something percent. Um, that goes to the fact that I'm putting in a, I literally fill my tank once every two weeks. And that, that says something, says something about the Audi, but it also says something about the, um, the, the position we're in. Um, but anyway, so, <clears throat> um, yeah, I think that you, you've got two sides of that, right? So you've got the, the person with money, persons with money. More people, we talked about this with the job market, more people are deciding that they're worth more money, which is good, and they're taking jobs that pay more, which is better, and they're moving into positions where they get an influx of cash, which is even better. The second side of it is more companies are saving money because they're not um, – if you're a smaller business, a doctor, a lawyer's office, a dentist, whatever, I don't care even if you're, you're you know, a lumberjack. I don't give a crap. And you've got fewer people. Um, and you're only paying two or three people instead of six, 10, 12 people, um, that you were, you got a little more, a little bit extra cash. You're able to put that. Wow. You know what? I've always wanted a Gibson, um, a custom shop. I'm going to buy a Gibson custom shop. And then, you know what? I'm going to buy that amp that I'll never take anywhere. 
and I will never use to the fullest extent, but I don't care because it's and and I don't I respect that, by the way. I don't care. I'm going to take it and I'm going to stick it over here because it's my thing. And then I'm going to complain about it on the Internet and ask people, hey, I've got this amp that doesn't sound like like Jimmy Page. What can I do? Oh, you should put new pickups in that guitar. Then you'll sound like Jimmy Page. <laughs> it sounds like uh, pretty much everybody who's ever bought a piece of gear ever. Um, it really does. I mean, I, I, I'm getting jaded. Like, I, I think the longer this podcast goes on, the more and more I start to sound like the guy who's like standing on his porch being like, get the hell off my lawn. Cause I'm, my lawn. I'm just kind of like, the club. I'm just kind of at the point where I put so much time into actually learning to play the instrument. And like we were talking about today. So this, this, this came up today when I was a good time, Mike, Mara and I were kind of going back and forth and I noticed his, uh, his strat, the tone control was always at like five. And like, I get what well, I get people do that. Like, okay. Yeah. And, but, you, but most people who are doing that have modified tone control values. Like that's part of mm-hmm. that. Um, cause otherwise it starts to sound like a cocked wall, but I was talking to him and I, I said, you know, he's like, I'm always trying to tame the treble coming out of my guitar. And he's like, for me, the tone control works really well for that. And then I kind of told him, I was like, well, or you could just be like me and you could just learn to play with like a really bright guitar and I use different techniques to quiet it and to not make it so damn bright. Um, and it's not like I'm not trying to I'm not trying to say like his technique sucks or anything like that's a totally valid right. way to accomplish the same thing. But I'm just right, right. I'm at the point where it doesn't matter to me where my tone control is. I don't want to worry about that. I just want to pick up the guitar and play it. Um, and uh, it's, I have I, it's, I've always gotten to the point where I, you know, people, some people say they have bright hands. Like I figured out how to darken mine somehow. Cause my technique makes them darker. I don't know. I have a tendency to every guitar I play. I don't care which one it is. Pick it, pick any of these guitars. You won't find anything at 10. Mm-hmm. That said five would be a little bit low for me. I'm probably he's around using, nine. He's using a custom value uh, capacitor yeah. in there. So, and I actually really like the sound of it. I'm going to talk to him about what he's using um, and maybe build yeah. one of those little boxes with a veritone circuit so I can cycle through some different ones and find the right value for me. But um, I, more or less, I'm kind of like of the frame of mind that um, tone control, like maybe the seven or eight. And then, yep. you know, that way you have some to roll up. <laughs> But I like I said, my hands are naturally dark now. I don't my mm-hmm. technique in order for me to get brightness out of guitar, I wail on it like that's one of the yeah. things. And I play closer to the bridge. Otherwise, it just comes out dark like it's just the way it's, we were playing. Um, I got a distortion pedal called the Asabi and we were playing that through an amp that was cooking. It was a nine o'clock on the master. And um, I commented, I was like, there's not enough treble here. And they're like, sounds good. And I'm like yeah i mean yes um but i'm like there's not enough treble here and i kind of going back and forth i'm like but i was when i was messing around with it at home i kept dialing treble out because i'm like it's going to be really bright when i turn it up and now i'm sort of realizing like i need to just embrace the fact that i'm playing single coils of this thing and get some of that ugly single coilness in there so there's a balancing act right gear does play play into that i literally just roll until Okay, so I'm not saying all pickups are ice picky, but what I do is I roll. I have a tendency to play with this part of my hand almost right on the bridge. And then what I do is I kind of shift 
the hand like this to bring it. Um, it it's a weird, I, I guess it's hard to, to show, but to bring my pick in closer and out further from the bridge, right? So if, um, so I have a tendency to, to grab the pick a little differently and, and move my hand in or out, right? Well, the point that I'm making is this. Hey, there he is. The, yeah, the guitar you hate. I'm, I'm going to show you something love. here in a second. Yeah, the guitar you hate to love. Anyway. Um, you want to buy the, a PRS? Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> I, almost, I almost went after an S2, so don't get me started. Um, I still love the look of that S2, but I haven't seen it close up to see the acne scars. Anyway, so. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. Uh, I can't wait for somebody to tell me my leather straps are fucking my guitars up. Anyway, so um, I uh, I have a tendency to do that. But my, the point is, I find that one spot. So I roll the tone until I hear it. Until I hear it change. Right. It doesn't matter. That might be nine or that might be eight or I mean, that might be seven and a half. I don't know. But it's that one spot where the tone actually says, OK, I changed. That's it. It's, and it's so slight. It's ever so slight. But it's that one point where I go, okay, I heard a change. And then I do that with the same with the both tones. Now, the, the reason I do that is because now, like what you were saying, if I want that little bit of brightness, I just have to touch it. Literally just touch it. And it goes to bright. And I just touch it. And it goes to darker. And I don't have to do a lot. There's not a lot of movement, you know. Now, the volume knob, I roll that all the time. That, that I ride the volume knob. But that's because I'm I'm trying to play a little lighter. I'm trying to play that's a little heavier. I, that's the way I am too. Yeah. Sorry, I'm far so from. So go the ahead. Mic. You show me. You were you were about to show. So, picking right, like when people. So you're talking about resting your hand on the bridge. I do that too, right? Like or right behind. But I try because because yep. this is a floating guitar. I don't want to put it on the back yep. of the bridge. It's more like right over where the strings hit, but right. not close Stay enough here. to be not close enough to be like in contact with the string past the saddle because then you palm mute. Um, right. But the one thing I notice is like the way I pick, it's like a lot of people will pick. And I'm trying to try to demonstrate this on the side so you can actually see what I'm doing. It's like with the yeah. pick. This is the pick, right? Flat mm -hmm. against the guitar, right? Yeah. Like that. I pick. I see a lot of people do that. I pick like this because I want the pick to come away from the strings and not get caught in them. Right. And once Same you here. understand that and you modify your technique to make to facilitate that. Like everything changes, your tonal your tone changes completely on the instrument. That's why I said I play darkly now because I don't pick that hard. Because I don't actually don't want to. Um, if you try to do that and you try to pick using a big portion of the pick, it's gonna it's gonna be really hard. Like you're gonna have to work really hard. And actually, right. what ends up happening is you use use different muscles instead of using the muscles that that cause your right. wrist to go up and down you're using muscles that cause your wrist to go in and out um yep. and it's actually better for your better for your hand to do it that way which is why most people naturally gravitate towards some sort of hybrid of that but um when i started to learn to do that i was like oh my tone's darkening up this is weird and i realized <clears throat> how players like ingve Malmsteen were getting away with stratocasters and and dod 250s into Marshall Plexis on 10, you know, because it was like, not only is an amp a big fire-breathing monster with multiple cabinets to sort of round out the treble problem, but it's vintage pickups into 
probably normal channel, a little bit higher on his his stuff with a DOD 250. You have a really good DOD 250. That's a bright freaking pedal, is it not? And like I couldn't get away with them on my strat because it's just bright. But now that I know how to do this, well, I could probably take that back and be like, all right, let's go. <laughs> yeah. And that's again, that's my point that, that uh, you know, what I was saying earlier is that that we all do things a little bit differently. I always find that little point, like I said, that 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 rolls it off. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's I, I I don't know. I'm looking right here because I made sure that the NAM show, by the way, is it is June 3rd through the 5th in Southern California at the Anaheim Convention Center. So I don't see it happening. But anyway, so <clears throat> um, uh, we were we were talking. To, what the heck? Did, how did we get to Ice Picky Guitar? <laughs> um, so we were talking about the NAM that wasn't, and we were talking yep. about. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to backtrack. We were talking about um, something that led me into the conversation about uh, today, playing it. where yeah. I was at a good time, and I was comparing with Mike about how we do the, take two two approaches to the same thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to circle back on the Nam conversation, it's a non-issue. Nam is not a thing anymore. Just no. give it up. It's over. Just get used to it. Just it's get over. used to it. The announcement cycles are going to change. Um. And yep. that that's the end of that. So right now, Gibson launching a new line of pedals. I mean, or just a maestro or, you know, just one pedal. Uh, that's that wouldn't be surprising. We were talking about amps. Gibson is definitely going to launch an amp soon. I figure NAM air, area of time would be appropriate. Um, yep. I'm hearing there's going to be some new products coming down the pipe from some other companies. Uh, mm -hmm. that may or may not be aff affiliated with the Gibson family of brands. And then, of course, we know Fender's got new stuff coming out. Uh, we're ready yep. to move on to Gig Report. So I don't know if you got a Gig Report. I do not this week. Um, I have a very little one. Very little. I have a, I have a funny story that, that didn't end funny. Oh, that's not good. So I've been trying to stay away from open mics for a few reasons. And so I decided to go to an open mic the other night. I get into my car and head to open mic like usual. And uh, I get there and there's nobody there. Yeah. And I'm like, I mean, when I say nobody there, like the host band, mm -hmm. people in the restaurant. Did they nothing. all get COVID? No, no. So okay. what happened was, no, it wasn't that. Though, though two people did get sick and were going to get tested, that was not why so i walk up and i i walk up to the um uh the place i got my guitar in one hand and i just went um guitar cable uh blues junior so I would just, right simple stuff simple go on in um i'm gonna take this little guy out for a test drive tuesday so anyway i walk in there and this is uh um and I was like, oh, nobody's coming. So I go back to my car. So I lug all my stuff back into my car, put it back in the seat, strap it back down, sit down, call my friend. He goes, no, no, they're going to start. They're, they're, they're going to be there. I said, when? And he goes, they don't start until like 8.15. And I said, okay. 
all right, I'll go in. So I went in, told the gal that I was waiting for my friend. He showed up. We're the only two people now, other than one family. We're the only two people in the whole place. About what time is this? This is, this is about probably a little bit before seven. But I got there at like 645. So then another friend shows up at, um, right before seven. Then my buddy shows up uh, right before seven. So there's the three of us, just the three of us. And then his friend shows up and some other people start coming in. But only three musicians. That, that, there's a point to this. Mm-hmm. There's a reason I'm saying three musicians. Host band shows up about the time they're supposed to start, which means they don't start for another 20 minutes because they're late. Right. They get set up. They start. They go for half an hour. So now we're 45 minutes into open mic. And the first person gets called up. Now, what happened was another friend showed up. So there's four of us. That's it. There's only four of us. And I said, I'll go third. You know, Brian and I can, you know, go next to last. I don't care. I go, you guys can go ahead of us. So the one guy that I know drives all the way from Moyock, North Carolina. So he's got a, he's got a heck of a drive. And this is deer season and everything else. I know yeah. he wants to come home. So <clears throat> um, he, he gets up there. With his friend, and they jam. Yeah, and and then a bass player who showed up like five minutes ago gets up and plays with them. So they did four songs. Then they do two songs, and they're in the second song of the now sixth song. And I'm like, this is starting to get a little. This is starting to step into people's toes. The bass player doesn't feel comfortable. He's one of those people that thinks he can play and can't really play that well. And he gets halfway through the song and he screws up. So he starts over. And we're not talking about a short song. We're talking about Do It Again, believe it or not, from uh, Steely Dan. I had to laugh because the song was called Do It Again. And he did it again. And then we had to sit through that entire thing again. So now we're seven songs in and then the guy goes, hey, my niece is here, the drummer. My niece is here and she wants to do one song. And he actually said that before this bass player got up. Like, why is that guy getting up there? Why isn't why isn't number one or number two getting up there? And then he says, my my niece is coming up and she's going to do one song. We thought that's who was going up there. No, it was the bass player. The bass player goes through. He does three songs, two and a half. You can count that. Then. His niece, his niece gets up there and nobody knows how to play the song she wants to do. So now um, somebody has to teach the bass player how to play that song. And they spend, I shit you not, six minutes teaching the bass player how to play a three minute Nirvana song that's got three chords, four chords. Sorry, it's a really complex Nirvana song, so it has four chords. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, if you want an easy gig, be the bass player for a freaking Nirvana, Nirvana cover band, all right? I, you call anything you want. The least talented person in that band was freaking um, Chris the, the bass player. N- yeah, Navalslick, or whatever he's... Uh, Navalslick, I don't know what his name is. So, um, it, it, I, I think it's Navalslick, something like that. So, anyway, so he... Uh, they're doing that. I go, I go, check, please. I, I raise my <sighs> check, please. I got my check. I, and they're like, Jim, are you leaving? I said, yeah, I am leaving. 
I am fucking leaving. <laughs> and and now everybody's like, well, well, why, why? And I go, because they're are. just letting random people come in off the street and get in front of you. Yeah, I said we are at ten. This is ten oh five. You haven't even started this girl's song, which is going to now start up. Take us to about quarter till twenty after ten. I said, and I'm not even going to be on stage until ten thirty. Uh, or, or no, ten forty-five. I'm not. I didn't come out for this. I've been out here since six something. I got here long before you guys yeah. did, because I was here for the start time. Right? Because you figured because you figured there was only going to be two other people in front of you, and then right. it, and then it turned out being four. And I was nice enough. And this is the thing that really ticked me off. So I was actually going to be number two. Mm-hmm. So what? Re- what made me laugh? Inside, not outside, certainly. Well, at least you aren't what number two. Me, yeah, I wasn't number two. Um, what made me laugh, um, the top of the losers, was that the person that was number two, she walked in 15 minutes before everything got going. And Brian and I were deciding whether or not we were going to take the number two and number three slot and who was going to go first or second. Because we often play together. So sometimes right. we'll one of us will come up for the last song of the other guy and then play through it and then go through our own stuff. Right. <clears throat> so we were trying to decide who was going to go up first. And then she comes in and then he goes, that, you know, I think I'm going to be number two. And then she goes, Oh, Brian, let me go ahead of you. And she, yeah, yeah she's that type. And so, um, and then Brian goes, well, I was going to be number two. I wanted that, uh, you know, and then Jim will go and then you'll go. And you got here last. <laughs> and so i would you know i don't have so like this is this is a real problem we're talking about toxic people but go ahead i want to i want to talk about well, that for a it, minute. it's almost done so then she comes over she goes no take my place i'll go in your spot i said no no you wanted to be number two tonight you're getting up there i said listen do you i said to both of them i said listen this is music masturbation that's what this is. Mm-hmm. Musical bastard. Everybody's walking out here. And I pointed right. I, I pointed right to and said right to that guy's face when I said this, even though I was talking to them. I turned around to that guy. And I said, and these people are pointing right at him are going to leave after we had to sit through an hour plus of their shit. Right. And they're not going to sit down and listen to your shit. <laughs> so maybe what we should have done is make them have to listen to our shit. <laughs> and then that we can leave and they can play their own shit. <laughs> I was that, I well, was but, but that's but that's yeah. exactly what happens when you're in one of those situations. All right. So let's talk. Let's talk toxic people first. So the, so the lady, the, I don't know who she is. I'm just going to call mm-hmm. her the lady that came in and decided that she wanted to be second. She's toxic. Okay. So she's walking around yeah. the club and she's going, Oh guys, and she's I know you've been spend here. any money. I know you use her own water. Right. I know you've been here before me. Um, and, uh, you know, but, but I, I came early because I wanted to be second. So you're going to get out of my way and be second and ask yeah. you and, and, and be real nice about it. But, but if you'd said no, she would have gotten angry. She would have been bitchy about it. And she would have gone to mm-hmm. the, the host about it too. Because uh, that I've dealt with those people before, and and at some point, um, it, it it is up to us other rational people to say no. I've been here since six o'clock. I'm gonna go second. I don't care that you just walked in and that you think you're entitled because you're here every week. 
I got here early. I came in hella early for this so that I could make sure that I get could get in and get out and go home when it was appropriate. Now, other side of this conversation, people that don't stay to watch other bands at open mic or don't give a shit about. And I'm talking about the people on their cell phones when you are playing in an open mic or an open jam. That's right. It's just disrespectful. Look, if you go to an open mic and you expect the audience to watch you or care about what you're doing, you're probably not in the right place. But the reality right. is this. As a musician, we owe it to ourselves and our community to at least pay attention to the other performers, even if you That's don't right. like them, um, even if you don't like them, and to be reasonable human beings about it. You want to talk shit about them, do it when you leave. Don't do it in That's front right. of them. Um, right. But but in this situation, like it sounds to me like the hosts were just being assholes, too. And, and they were being lazy. They were being lazy. That's what they were being. I have seen good hosts. And I have seen horrendous hosts. Mm -hmm. And by horrendous hosts, this is the boys club for the musicians. Yep. And I say boys club because I don't really mean like only males. But this is the boys club for the people that we like. And when you go yep. there, it's, you know, the same four people get the same amount of stage time. They get an extra. Each of them gets an extra song and yep. they can come in whenever they want and they'll be the next or act they, on stage because they know they're coming in and leaving. They don't stay for anybody else. They don't buy any food or drink. They they know yep. the host from somewhere. Oftentimes they played it with the host in a band and that creates those kinds of situations. Fortunately, right. none of the places I'm going right now are like that, but I have definitely been to the bro open mic before. Yeah. And the, and the problem with the bro open mic and it's real um, is that um, like you said, it look, the the one I was talking about, the girl that, that comes in, she's sweet. And I know that she isn't she's not malicious. No, it's not, that's not no, her nature. No. She's just dipsy, ditzy. No, she really is. No, that's a wolf in sheep's clothing. She knows yeah. that she can ask you that and you'll say yes. Oh, and you and you have a right to say no. That is the problem because with toxicity. It often masquerades as someone who is just kind of aloof or nonsensical right. and we just get we cut them slack but you don't have to cut anyone slack you don't no you have a right no. to say no and i know that sounds like being a jackass but the reality <laughs> is we all have a right to say no and to stand up for what it is that you know that we are championing and in this case i would have said respectfully you know i got here super early and i'd like to go home early so can i just keep the second slot and if she get she's going to be a pain in the ass about it then I'd let the host weigh in. And if the host is a pain in the ass about it, I would politely grab my things and say, fuck you, I'm not coming back. Because that's right. a bro open mic. It <laughs> is. Now, so again, and this is the, this is the big thing that, that I get to, is, um, is this. So I, I understand where she was coming from. I understand all that. But this is what I, this is what I told them. And I, I was being honest, and I know this sounds egotistic, and I'm, I'm going to say this right now. I have a regular gig. I play regularly. I play out. I have songs that I learn. I have stuff that I work on. And frankly, open mics, at least in my area, can be lazy. And um, they're just, it's just an opportunity to hang out with my friend. Basically, okay? yeah. And that's normally what they yeah. should be. Um, yep. I think people tend to place an emphasis on them otherwise. And you will definitely yep. get people that think that is, that is like the big, the big show. This is the big this yeah. is the big show for them. This is, you know, them getting on stage in front of a bunch of people and showing their shit. And they're so yep. good because they get up, get up at an open mic 
And it's like, the reality is, if you're really good, you're probably not going to waste your time playing for people who don't give a shit. So, right. Same. Right. And that's, and that's why I don't see it. And that's what I told them. I said, look, I came out here to hang out. And I did. And I sat down and I had dinner with you guys. And I had drinks. But those guys got up there and they were at 105 decibels. Their, their music was ear splitting and it was painful. And I'm not having fun at that point. I want to go home. I want to relax. That hurt. And it made me tired because it, it, it was literally something I had to go through in order to hang with a friend. Yeah. I shouldn't have had to go through anything. I should have been able to hang out with my friend and enjoy my evening and enjoy my friend's company and not have to scream did, to be able to be heard. Did I tell you about the COVID open jam I went to right before uh, my wife left for Vegas? Like the weekend before? Maybe, I think so. maybe, we, maybe we talked maybe. about it. It's a big, big crowded club. Bunch of people talking about how they were drinking cheap beer because they couldn't, they couldn't smell anything. Um, or they couldn't oh, taste great. anything. Or they couldn't taste anything. They were joking about it. I was like, "Yeah, you're you're a wonderful group of people." Anyway, yeah. um, so I I think I mentioned it on the show, but th- as it relates to this, this was something that happened about two weeks ago, right when Omicron was kicking up, right? I think we were at thirty five thousand cases or forty thousand cases that night, um, a day here in Illinois, and um, so we went to this thing thinking it would be kind of cl- cleaned out, and it was just jam packed. It was horrendous. I guarantee you, people got COVID that night, um, and um. We had a situation where, again, and I've talked about this both in the Facebook group on the show, the difference between an open jam and an open mic. It's an open jam. And we've had a lot of people specifically during the holidays who are home for the holidays or hanging out with people they don't normally hang out with during the holidays that go to open jam and turn it into an open mic. And that's what we had. And I sat through probably an hour and a half of people who were okay at best doing open mic and i was there with the friend actually my wife was with me and paul paul pickley show listener was actually in the audience and we talked for a bit and he said the same thing i said that's how it happened this is usually like really good there's always you know a a collection of different musicians on stage and you never know what you're going to get kind of deal and he's like it's been like bro acoustic night and i'm like yeah this is this is the open mic crowd is thinking that this is an open mic and I said, you know, I said, unfortunately, this happens once in a while. And I said, yep. it sucks because you sit here for two hours waiting. They actually extended that to give the regulars time to play. Um, we we got to actually keep the bar open for basically another hour, even past when they normally close. Um, they didn't sell drinks, but they kept the club open for us. And it was it was a good like it was good. Like I, I had a good time afterwards, like after all this nonsense it's kind of over with, but I mean, I waited a good three hours to play. It was crazy. And it was the, like just people singing acoustic open mic stuff. And it was like, nobody really wants to come in for this, but they had a packed club. And I got to say, so I think I talked about the, the COVID COVID thing, but I probably should have left that night because we were sitting there and I was watching people bring in their kids sitting in the back corner of the restaurant and they, they really don't have a restaurant it's a brewery and you can order food there but it's but it's a brewery 
And they're sitting in the lounge area with their children. And I'm sitting there going, are you guys high? Like, who wants to risk getting their kids COVID? Like, I know people are like, let me let me just kind of explain why I think this is I have a moral issue with this. All right. So whether or not you believe COVID is like a dangerous illness is one thing. But no one knows what this thing is going to do to children long term. Talking about people who are developing, right? <clears throat> we know that it's got all sorts of effects on people like COVID long haulers, and we don't know what it's going to do to kids. And you're bringing your children out when there's 40,000 cases a day to a nightclub packed with musicians, including many people who are not wearing any sort of mask. Uh, and it, I just, I'm like, I was just sitting there flabbergasted. Of course, my wife and I were pretty much the only people there with masks on. And she was kind of laughing afterwards. She goes, I don't even know why we wore them. Cause she's like, it was pointless. Cause like, it, we're not protecting anybody else. We should be wearing them to protect ourselves from them. And I'm like, yeah, that's how I felt about it. Um, but anyway, there's a the whole thing. And uh, that's my, that's my soapbox for the evening. But I, but I see these situations where you go to these open mics and like people get in front of you. And that was, that was partially what ticked me off about the open jam was I know that I was there before these acoustic bro open mic people. And it was because they got, they had uh, one guy specifically requested. I don't want to be on stage with anyone else. That was his request. I want to be by myself. And you got another guy that's like, I got an acoustic songwriter or an acoustic singer duet. They go to the open mic. That's an open mic thing. This is the open jam. That's the open mic. But they've got on the list after me and they got called up before me. So it's like, what the hell? Um, which is fine because I understand why. Because these people are performers and they're trying to get them the hell out. That's why they do it in well, an open jam. They're like, get these people yeah. out of the way. Get them out of the <clears throat> restaurant. Send them home because they have no idea what the hell this is really about. Um, we don't need them here. And uh, quite frankly, we just feature them and get them over with. And that's kind of like what was going on that night. I I, I want to say one last thing about open mic and open jams and stuff like that. First of all, if you don't know the difference between an open mic and an open jam, look it up because I'm not going to go through it for you. But this is the this is the big thing. Some open mics are because people want to do like what I was talking about. They're out there to because they never get a chance to it's just like karaoke. They need they're, stage they're time. Just, Right. They want to get on stage and they need that to to quell some drug within themselves, some endorphin that they get rush from playing two people. It's an ego stroke. Right. I can sing. Yeah. So therefore, right. I should be on a stage. And right. God bless you. If you can sing and that's your jam and that's all you need to do in music, that's fine. But I think there's that's a right. lot of more people that look at open jams differently and go on. Right. <clears throat> and the the other reason that people do it and the other reason that places host open mics is to get you a gig. That's a different type of open mic. Right. So that's an open mic where you're there because you're hoping to be able to turn around, get a gig out of it. Those are two different types of open mics. Open jams are never that because you can't expect to get it because – Unless somebody 
can pull you out to think you're you're the all star. Um, <laughs> they're the A and R rep to think that your 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 band is worth something, even though you're the only person that showed you know, up. And that's a whole thing, it, it like jams. That whole thing that happens in movies and you read about in magazines happening to somebody back in the 1960s. That doesn't happen. There's no AR rep going out to Pollyanna when I'm out there, like sitting in the audience going, man, that guy's got the magic. That's not how this works. Okay. Have you ever heard of a showcase? That's actually how this works. You get a big enough following that people actually care. You have a showcase. You invite people to come from various recording agencies, come and look at your band, and maybe somebody signs you. That's what a showcase is. Right. That's way more common than being found out of the scrap heap, you know, the the Guns N' Roses type story, which is that they didn't really showcase. They just played a lot of shows with insanely fervent support and every major label had come out to watch them and everyone turned them down except David Geffen because David Geffen's like, well, I'm willing to take a chance because they were afraid they were going to die. Okay. They were afraid these guys were going to get like really high and die. Okay. That was, that was the fear. Um, Granted, I mean, it was sort of justified because Slash did technically die on the table several times during the tenure of that band. Um, Yeah. So, but that doesn't happen. Okay, you're not going to open mic for that shit to happen. If you think an open mic is going to give you stardom, you're barking up the wrong tree. It's more about getting comfortable in front of a crowd. It's more about um, maybe showing off some of the music if you're in just to just to get an act, get like a feel for how the audience reacts. It might be about networking, but there are very specific open mics you would go to for networking. Like you'd find the one where all the good players go um, if there are any or you would find like uh, you would look for an open jam at that point. If you're looking for people that you want to play with, like that's because you want to see what the chemistry is like. That's where you go for that. But um, I just think that those are all very, very different purposes. And I suspect that the vast majority of open mics are, and the people that go to them are more the, um, I have this talent and I, and I need to do something with it. And I don't really know where to start. And this is easy. So I can say I'm doing something with this. Yep. Which, and I think it's a weird way to think about things, but that's definitely, there's definitely people I've run into that are like that. That's right. And it's very important. I think for right now, for people to understand that, that if you're going to go out um, and, and, you know, the COVID thing aside, that's your, that's everybody else's business. I, I, I leave that to the, to the individual. Um, the, the fact is that open mics can be fun or they can be shit. And the other night I had a shit open mic and that was unfortunate because I should have had fun, should have enjoyed myself and I should have had that, that endorphin rush. And instead I went home upset and angry and you know yeah those things suck too because it's like the last thing you do before you go to bed really pisses you off right angry not you know i'm not angry with the the entertainers i'm not angry with the people i'm angry with the lazy hosting i'm angry with the i am the uh, wasted time yeah the wasted time i could have been home playing my guitar doing stuff and instead i went out to an open mic they wound up being a bust. You know, that's sort of why I started doing the streaming thing, because I got tired of doing the bus thing. I was like, well, yeah. at least if I'm streaming, I might run into people and meet new people. 
Right. You know, <laughs> and honestly, I think that I, I think I might start doing that because it's like, why am I doing this? Well, if you do uh, hit me up, because I can, uh, I'll uh, give, you, give you a boost on, uh, let's just OBS, <clears throat> but I'd give you a boost on yeah. uh, Twitch and I'll, I'll shout yeah. you out and stuff. Be nice. Yeah. All right. Oh. Well, this has been a, a long episode. So uh, I've been David. Yeah. I've been Jim. And tonight we've been Practical Guitarists. Very much so.